Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It's me again. I see robots here for the Toys R Us report for the week of November 5th, 2014. It's actually the day after my birthday. This will be dropping the day after my birthday, but today is Halloween. Today is actually October 31st, the day that I am starting to record this. And believe it or not, it's raining here. It is raining in dry, arid California. We have been in the midst of just a ruinous drought. Our water levels are at an all-time low. It's been pretty harsh, lots of dead lawns, lots of dead trees, lots of out-of-work farmers. It's like the grapes of wrath out here all over again. But today, being that it is Halloween and a day that we want it to be nice, it of course, it rains. So there you have it. Once again, the powers above hack a loogie into our eye. But it's still cool because it is raining and we do desperately need the rain, so I'm not even going to complain any more about it. So today is actually Halloween. We are going to, we got the pumpkins carved. We got a little bit of the decorations out front all ready to go and... We're going to be one of those people this year. We're actually going to go out, and I think we're going to go see a movie. My daughter is staying over at a friend's house, which is always fun for her. And it's also fun for us because we get to go out and do some fun, cool things. We're going to go and take in Birdman, Michael Keaton's Birdman. I've heard nothing but cool stuff about this, so I'm really actually looking forward to this quite a bit. So we're going to see Birdman over, I think, at 7 o'clock. So what we're going to do is... We're going to leave a trail of pumpkins up to the house with two giant bowls of candy and one of the pumpkins has please take one written on the front. So hopefully, hopefully who's ever here will only take one. I can see we live in a pretty decent neighborhood as far as uh, morality goes. People seem pretty friendly. People are pretty nice. So I don't see somebody dumping the entire bag into their bag. It's possible. It's always possible. But I have a feeling that when we get back, there will still be candy. I'm actually going to record a little more of this tomorrow, so I'll uh, I'll, clue, I'll let you know. I'll let you know whether there was candy or if it all ran out. It's possible that it could all just run out in a natural progression. Anyhow, we it's interesting. We'll see. I'll get back to you later on that. I know that by the time you hear this, that Halloween will have actually passed, but we have been trying to do... A little more to get into the Halloween spirit around the house. Uh, for example, last night we watched the uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, which is one of my favorite of the Universal monsters. I was just typing it in. I wanted to look at a picture of him while we talked about this and maybe help me get into the mood. I I enjoy this movie. I like it. it I like the low-budget appearance of everything. I like how... The underwater scenes don't really look that great, and how the creature does look a little fake. It's a pretty elaborate creature, and I think that for the time, it is amazing. It's amazing, beautiful, beautiful artwork, beautiful design. But it does look a little a little unrealistic by today's standards. But who even knows what a creepy lake monster would look like if you were ever face-to-face -face with one? It could be that its skin did look a little rubbery. You have to consider that. It would be sort of a rough exterior for protection against the depth and also protection against the other, you know, sea creatures, you know, crabs or oysters or whatever's down there. So he might look a little little rubberized. He might look a little armored. So I don't know if it's fake-looking. Who, who will ever know? He's a cool creature, though. It's cool that he lives in a lake as opposed to... 
in the uh, the depths of the sea. So, you know, being in a lake is a little scarier because that's something that could actually be near your house. We live near the coast, but not everybody does. So it could be that the ocean is a little... A little fantastical. It's not something that you think about every day, but a lake, you know, everybody has a lake. Everybody at least has a bog or a creek or a swamp or a creek or something of that sort where it might be possible for a creature to hide. We swim in lakes. I think that in general, people swim in lakes more than they swim in the ocean. We have a swimming lagoon here in town, and I have been in there at least... 1,700 times for every one time that I have swam out in the uh, ocean blue, out in the Pacific Ocean or whatever. I think the Pacific Ocean is the only ocean I've ever been exposed to. I don't think I've ever been in the Atlantic or the Indian. Anyhow, we also watched It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which everybody watches every Halloween, and it's always great fun. I happen to live in Santa Rosa, California, which is Charles Schultz's hometown, so we are just – we're bombarded with Peanuts characters. They're everywhere. They do this thing where they they have these life-size Peanuts character statues, and every year they get a different character. One year it was Snoopy, and then it was Woodstock, and it was Charlie Brown. And every year various businesses donate money to get one of these statues, and you get to paint it however you want, or you get to ha- decide how it's decorated or whatever, however you want. I'm not really all too sure about the specifics of the deal, but I do know that every year there's a new one, and that you know, with when you add in the factor of the last years, there's these Snoopy statues all around my town. I see Snoopy, I see Woodstock and Charlie Brown everywhere I go. That's not a bad thing. It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot better, but it could also be a lot worse. Anyhow, we sat down and we watched that together. Actually, I was sitting down on the couch. The The rest of the family was over carving pumpkins. I, I had carved one earlier, and there was only two left, so I, I left it for them to do together. It's something they both enjoy. I enjoy carving pumpkins, too. My wife is way into it. My daughter likes it a lot. I would have to say that they're the two pumpkin enthusiasts for the house. Don't get me wrong. I definitely do enjoy carving a pumpkin, but these two are definitely into it a lot more than I am. They are a little more artistic. I just kind of go in there and do the triangle eyes and, you know, the triangle mouth, maybe throw in some vampire teeth, or maybe I'll hook the eye a little bit in the corner to make it look like there is a pupil or whatever. But they they get into it. My wife carved a cat. She carved some letters. It's really, she's very good at it. I, I do like it, but I don't have that artistic quality that they do. Those of you who have been following the show probably know that I have... I've been having a hard time getting into the Halloween spirit because of how hot it's been. So it's nice to see that in the end, I did manage to find my Halloween uh, my Halloween spirit. I can't think of a different way to put it. Just the spirit of Halloween. It's good that I found it. I think that even though I wish it wasn't raining per se, the gloomy weather definitely helped. In the end, it came around to where we're supposed to be. Everything leveled out. It looks like we're all going to have a fun, fun, fun Halloween. You are listening to 
the Toys R Us. Report. Act like you know. How did we end up here? This place is horrible. Smells like balls. We had it all. You were a movie star, remember? Who was this guy? He used to be Birdman. I like that poster. You wrote this adaptation? I did, yeah. And you're directing and starring in your I, adaptation. That's yeah. ambitious. Are you afraid people will say you're doing this play to battle the impression that you're a washed-up comic strip character? Absolutely not. That's why 20 years ago I said no to Birdman 4. Hold the mask off! You do hold the mask off! Now you're about to destroy what's left of your career. You know I'm right. So we are back from the movie. It's post-Halloween. The first thing we should talk about is the candy bowl situation. We came back from the movie and the candy was... Are you ready? Drum roll, please. Don't have a drum. It was gone. Totally gone. Every single piece. The only thing in the bowl was a Almond Joy wrapper that I probably threw in there myself. So either we got a lot of trick-or-treaters and they took it all or we had some earnest kids who just dumped the bags into uh, the bowl rather into their bags. Who can say? Who can care? Anyhow, we went to see Birdman. Birdman was a, is a different kind of movie than we normally see. It's a bit arty-farty. I'm not going to say it's completely arty-farty, but it is fairly arty-farty. There's a lot of jazz drumming to separate the scenes and a lot of theater talk. It's, it's really arty-farty. Still, though, it's interesting. It's the story of What's kind of a post-Batman Michael Keaton, but he plays a character named Birdman, and he's trying to get some artistic credibility by writing, well, adapting a play and performing it on Broadway. So it's kind of like, I don't see Michael Keaton as exactly being in this position because I think that he's had a very successful career after Batman. He's, he's great. Everybody knows he's great. But th- this guy is a little more troubled by Birdman. Birdman haunts his dreams. He, he can't seem to get away from it. Anyhow, the movie the movie is good. It's really well made. It's well acted. Uh, Edward Norton's in it. Naomi Watts is in it. The charming Emma Stone is in it. It's a good movie. It's well made, but it's, it's arty-farty. It was even at the arty-farty movie theater here in town. We usually go to the big uh, downtown theater with the stadium seating and the 13 screens. And this was at the smaller eight-screen flat floor art theater. It's the kind of theater where the popcorn has real butter, which is cool. That is cool, though. I am done with that. I do like the taste of some real butter. But it's the, they instead of having salt at the concession stand, they have um, – like yeast, like brewer's yeast, which tastes interesting on popcorn. I don't totally hate it. But that's what they have in place of salt. They also have like sea salt and things like that, the pink salt and the little twisty shakers, you know, the twisty uh, grinder things. And that's all cool, man. I am not against any of that. I'm just using it to show you what kind of a place we were at. Right off the bat, the, you know, the, the candy thing is weird too. They don't have the... M&M's or whatever. It's like NECA wafers and Mary Jane's and it's cool, man. Whatever 
they're doing whatever the people there must obviously want. So I'm not going to fault them and I'm not going to fault anybody for liking any sort of candy. I'm just using this to illustrate where we were at. Normally I'm at the place that sells the, the nerd ropes and sour straws and things like that. Anyway, I should have seen that something might be off just due to the fact that we were at the art house theater when I have not been there literally in years. I think the last time I went there was to see no country for old men which probably should have been playing at the mainstream theater. Anyhow, I was surrounded by old white-haired ladies and hippie dudes, which is cool too. I don't have anything against it. It's just going to illustrate where we were at. That should have tipped me off that Birdman might not be the movie for me. I enjoyed it. There were parts of it I did like. One thing that I got from the movie was that um, Birdman has, I forget his name in the movie, he has a sticker on his mirror that they, they point to a lot, and it says, something is what it is, not what people think it is, or something to that effect, how something is what it is, not what people think it is. I appreciated that. I thought that was a nice lesson, and even if that's all you took from the movie, you're still going to get something from it, you know, that idea that don't let people affect your opinion of yourself through their thoughts. Still, though, the movie was not really for me. That's cool. I, I should have recognized that myself. I should have recognized that when I saw that it was over at Summerfield. I thought that there would be more of... I don't know what I thought it would... I really don't know what I thought. I had read some nice reviews of it, and I was looking forward to it, but I don't know what I thought. I probably should have gone and seen Nightcrawler at the more mainstream theater, which I'm actually going to go see tomorrow night. So I'll let you know about that one too in a little bit. I should have gone there. My gut was sort of pointing me in that direction and I didn't listen. And I do realize that this review is a little bit more about the theater than it is the actual movie. And I don't know why that is. I, I really don't. It's just how it is. It seems like what I remember most about it is that I was at the different theater than I'm normally in. And that might be all you need to know about Birdman actually. Michael Keaton's great in it, though. He is such a great actor. I can't think of him ever being bad in something. The dude is a pro. He's great. He, he One time he's talking about how he looks, and he describes himself as appearing like a turkey with leukemia. That cracked me up. I thought that was really good. Ed Norton's good in it as a just a total... A total D-bag who he gets... I guess he's like a mainstream movie actor or he's a more successful actor. And Keaton lures him into his play, which is going to help, you know, help get uh, audiences there. So he's all happy about that. But the dude turns out to not be that easy to work with, which is a story as old as time. I can't really recommend that you go see Birdman, which isn't to say that it's not a good movie. Because technically, it's really great. A lot of great performances, a lot of great camera work. They have this gimmick where the whole thing is one long continuing shot. It just sweeps through the whole thing. It'll go and then another character will pass through and the camera will kind of adjust to follow that character and continue on with their portion of the story. And that's really nice. It's a really neat little technique, but it's a little arty-farty. So if you're not into the whole arty-farty thing, and I know I've said that word a million times, but it's the only word I can think of to describe what was going on. If you're not into that, you're probably not going to enjoy it, and you should probably go see Nightcrawler. But if you are a frequent visitor to the Art House Theater and you like it, I think that you'll like Birdman. I think that you'll dig it. Anyhow, um, back in a bit with the Retro Toy Roundup. <laughs> 
Make sure to visit VirtualDirtMall.com and support the Toys R Us report with a generous purchase of some retro or not so retro junk. Maybe a Ghostbusters action figure or a Star Trek propeller hat. It's really up to you. VirtualDirtMall.com. You won't be sorry for long. And now, the Retro Toy Roundup. Yoki dokie, let's get started on the Retro Toy Roundup. The Retro Toy Roundup is the part of the show where we look back at an action figure or sometimes an action figure line from the days of yore. Today we are going to be giving a closer look at The Lost World of the Warlord by Rimco. The Lost World of the Warlord, or just the Warlord as I always called it, was released by Rimco Toys, like I just said, in 1982. It was based on a DC comic property that was created by Mike Grell. Mike Grell is someone you might know from the Green Arrow Longbow Hunters. That was, I don't know, that was one of the seminal works of the time. It took the Green Arrow from being a slappy-dappy, kind of happy sort of dude into a little darker edge that we see continue on today in the Arrow on CW. So if you're into that, I like I like the Arrow a little bit. Not as much as I thought I would. It's a little too dark. The guy, he's a good actor and he's doing a good job with it, but the guy is always seething. And I don't want my Ollie Queen to be seething as much as I want him to be sort of swashbuckling and womanizing, that sort of thing. Anyway, that tangent is not too important right now. So The Warlord was based on the Mike Grell comic property named The Warlord, even though the action figure line did include a couple of outsiders to that series. Uh, there was Eric, who had his own series, and also Hercules, who I don't believe had his own DC series, but he was a popular DC character. I'm using the word popular super loosely. I wouldn't call him popular by any stretch. The action figures in the line were five and a half inches tall and were meant to ape uh, He-Man, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. As a matter of fact, their first or maybe second ad, uh, you might have seen this ad. It ran in the back of a lot of DC comics naturally, and it tells you that they're perfect to play with He-Man figures with. Let's see if I can find it so I can get you the exact wording. Um, oh, here it is. I found it. It's on the back of the card, not on an advertisement. It says, Plays with Warrior Beast, Masters of the Universe, Black Star, and other 5.5-inch action figure lines. That's pretty cool to actually go out there and acknowledge the existence of other action figure lines because everybody knows they exist, right? Everyone's into it. It's sort of like how when... Vince McMahon wouldn't acknowledge that the AWA or the NWA existed in his announcing. It always made the wrestling world seem a little phonier not to acknowledge that there might be other dudes out there doing it. And not that it adds any kind of legitimacy to the Warlord line as much as it would just remind you that other cooler things existed. It is still neat to see, and it's a little different than what you saw at the time. Okie dokie, let's take a little uh, peek here at the source material. The Warlord was based on a DC comic written by Mike Grell. We talked about Grell a little bit earlier, so we don't need to go back there. Anyhow, the Warlord ran for about 140 episodes. Did I say episodes? I meant issues. That's really great. That's almost 10 years. Anyhow, the series is about this dude, Travis Morgan, who is a colonel in the Air Force. And anyhow, he's flying an experimental plane over, uh, what do you call it, the North Pole. When it crashes, it goes down. He can't control the, uh, the G-forces. Anyway, it goes down, and somehow he winds up in this sword and sorcery realm called Scar Tartus. Scar Tartus is at the center of our Earth, and 
as weird as it is, they have their own sun. Since there isn't any kind of an orbit or whatever, the sun is always up. So it's eternal daytime in the land of Skartardis. Warlord is joined on his adventures by his best bro, Machiste, his best girl, Morgan, and his evil foe, Demos. Demos is immortal in that if you kill him, he will rise again. So he... He gets smoked by the Warlord constantly, and he comes back again and again and again. The The Warlord wasn't anyone's favorite comic, but I did read it, and I think a lot of people read it as well. I mean, obviously, it lasted for close to 10 years. Why did I say less than 10 years? Let's see, 10 years is 120 issues, and this was 140, so that's 20 more. That's like 11 and uh, 8 issues, uh, years worth. Anyhow... With uh, You can see how great I am at the math there at the arithmetic. Anyhow, there was one series of Warlord action figures released. That was in 1982, and what you got with that was two versions of Eric, which is A-R-A-K. And he was not a member of the uh, Warlord comic book crew. He was, some people say he was loosely based on uh, Turok, who was a DC comic at the time. So you got two of him. You got Demos, Hercules. Now, Hercules wasn't part of Warlord either. Hercules was... They had a DC comic called Hercules Unbound, and he came from that. So they're squeezing in some sword and sorcery characters that they have floating around, which is, you know, smart move. Then they had Machiste, two versions of Mikola, and the Warlord. Then they had these other things called the War Team, which was uh, each dude in that set got a horse, like a cool, dope battle horse. These were hard for me to find pictures of. I was not able to find a picture of every single one, like in the box. I guess... I would consider that rare, or maybe they're not rare in the sense that there's not a lot of them, just it's rare for people to take pictures of them. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, you got uh, Eric again, Demos, Machiste, and Mikola. Some of the dudes in the war team set wore shorts, whereas they had pants in the uh, normal release. So you might see a little bit of a variant. That could be what, you know, when you see Eric and the two variants in the list, it could be that one is him in pants which I know is the typical one, and the Warhorse version, which had shorts. That could be what we're looking at, but I wasn't able to find box pictures. And I know that's kind of a bummer. If you find them, send them to me. I'd love to see them. So you also had, you know, beyond the war team, which would, you know, that'd be great enough, right? You also had Warpults, which uh, we know as Catapults. And there was one that was light-colored and one that was dark-colored. There was also a Journey Through Time playset. I also saw a uh, really cool Warlord squirt gun out there, and I would love to have that. One of the things that was really dope about the Warlord was he had a sword, but he also had a gat. I really, really, really dig it when a dude is out there and he kind of, you know, he keeps his gat from back in the day. And, like, it's cool. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. Like we said, Travis Morgan got sucked down into that hole, and he's down there. So he, you know, he, he merges into the swords and sorcery realm. He gets rid of his army gear and all that stuff, and he dons a helmet. He gets a sword, and he gets, you know, fuzzy boots and little booty shorts because that's, you know, the, the fashion of Skartaris. So, he, you know, he gets into becoming a Skartarian, but he also keeps his handgun because he is... You know, he's an Air Force guy. He's one of us. So I dig that vibe that he has the, you know, the firearm with him just to show he's a little different than the other guys. I've seen that in some other fantasy things. The names, you know, kind of elude me right now. But it's always really just a cool little touch to have the guy like blah, 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 blapping at dinosaurs or whatever he encounters down there. 
Warlord was another one of those Remco toy properties that I only ever saw at Kmart. I think I explained in the last episode that my family had like a close relationship with Kmart. Kmart was kind of our go-to place, but around here, Kmart had a bad reputation. If dudes saw you had things from Kmart, you would get dirted. So dudes who were into toys or knew about toys, which was just about everybody at the time, knew that like Sergeant Rock and Mighty Crusaders and Remco toys were really almost exclusive to Kmart in our area. So if you had one, it was just evidence that you went to Kmart so you would get clowned. It's, it, it sounds terrible now, but that's just the way it was. So I did have, I had some Warlord guys and I liked them. And when I was at home alone, you know, I would bust them out and I would play with them with my other He-Man dudes. And that was all good in the hood, but I, I couldn't bust them out when I was playing with my other dude friends because they would know that I shopped at Kmart. It's a weird thing when you think about it. I wonder if it's like that nowadays. I wonder where the weird store is. I should ask my daughter what store they all clown on. Um, I know she likes Hot Topic clothes. Hot Topic is like the cool place, I guess, they go. But I don't know where dudes uh, get dorked on about. Target? Is Target dorky? I don't know. Maybe, probably still Kmart, I guess. Nobody wants to go and get their gear at Kmart, but that's a little shallow. Anyhow, um... I had, I think I had Warlord. I know I had Warlord now that I think about it. And I also believe that I had Demos, which was, he, um, he's like a kind of a generic demon, not a, why did I say demon? He's like a generic wizard kind of magic user guy. He comes with a little potiony thing and he has little booty shorts like He-Man dudes were prone to have at the time. I have just learned that the proper name for booty shorts in an action figure is a loincloth. So in the future, if you hear me say booty shorts, imagine I'm saying loincloth, which I shouldn't have to say either, but there was some suspect fashion choices in 80s action figures. So... I don't, um, I don't have any of these guys now in my collection. I did see some recently at the flea market. I bought three of them myself. I got the Warlord, uh, and I also got two Warrior Beasts. I sold each of them for $20, and I think I got them for 2 or $3 each. So there was a nice return on that. If you look at online, they're generally going to go in the $20 to $25 range, more if you have the weapons. If you see them on the card, you could play, uh, pay up to... Two three hundred dollars. They're a pricey action figure line. Fairly uncommon. I can't even venture to guess what the war teams and other things go for because I didn't even see them online. So either they're just uncommon or unpopular, which I probably a little bit of both. They're one of those things that I imagine they do have an audience of people who are willing to pay for them, but that audience isn't as vast as due to collect G.I. Joe's or the more popular He-Man lines of the time. So with that said, I cannot imagine there is anything that anyone would ever want to know about the Warlord that they don't know already. I realize that's not true. And if you know more, hit me up at facebook.com backslash robots because I need to know a lot of this and there isn't as much information out there as I think there could be. So anyhow, we're going to close up this segment of the show. We're going to close up the Retro Toy Roundup with this cool Remco commercial I found since I couldn't find any about the Warlord. 
Back in a bit with Toys R Us Report. It's Energize Spider-Man with Spider-Sense. Battery not included. Turn the Spider-Sense activator. Red Dragon appears to go into action. Attach the web climber. Flip the switch. And he climbs automatically. Energize Spider-Man. The motorized web. It pulls. It lifts. The Spider-Light to climb at night. The Spider-Copter sold separately with Spider-Sense panel. The power pack turns on the copter. We'll have to get the Red Dragon. Energize Spider-Man with Spider-Sense comes with communicator. Spider-Copter sold separately from Remco. Make sure to visit virtualdirtmall.com and support the Toys R Us report with a generous purchase of some retro or not-so-retro junk. Maybe a Ghostbusters action figure or a Star Trek Cryopella hat. It's really up to you. Virtualdirtmall.com. You won't be sorry for long. And now, the Toys R Us report with I see robots. Okay, here is the part of the show known as the Toys R Us report itself. If this were a self-titled podcast, this would be the part it was titled after. The Toys R Us report is where I go around the Toys R Us and the Walgreens and the Target and any other toy stores in my region, and I see what is afoot. And this week, frankly, there was nothing afoot. The one thing I heard of that was interesting was from my boy Marco over at North Bay Anime. He found... Five white prototype Boba Fetts at his Walgreens, and naturally, he bought them all. Thanks, Mark. Anyhow, we didn't have a trivia winner last week. Nobody got the question, so I'm pulling another card out of the deck. The deal is, I read off a question, you hit me up on Twitter, at ICRobots, and if you got the right answer, you get a plug. There's some prizes coming, just waiting for my boy over at the movie theater to get back from the film festival. So we got some great prizes coming. So just sit tight, hold your horses, and practice on this question in the meantime from the Trivial uh, Pursuit Totally 80s edition. Okay, here we go. This time it's going to be purple, which is music. Who was Rick Springfield pining over in his only chart-topping single? If you think you know the answer to that, hit me up at... I see robots on Twitter. That's at I see robots on Twitter or over on the I see robots Facebook group at facebook.com backslash I see robots. Since we didn't get a winner this week, we're going to give another plug to the No Swear Gamer, a good friend of the show. You can find him at the No Swear Gamer. His videos are always a hoot and they are always fun for the entire family. Anyhow, that's it for this week's Toys R Us report. We are going to be signing off. This is Icy Robots, and if you don't know, now you know. <laughs>